Good day, dear listeners. Welcome to the Management Blueprint. Today, my guest is John St. Pierre, who is the co-founder and chairman of BrandPoint Services, a multi-site facility maintenance and remodeling contractor. He's also the author of the $100 million journey and the co-host of the Entrepreneurs United podcast. John, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Steve. Excited for the conversation. So let's jump in the middle because I think your new book, The $100 Million Journey, is actually based on your real-life experience. So tell me in a nutshell about your journey, your actual journey, not the book, and how you got here where you are. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, let's jump right in. The journey of an entrepreneur, Steve, is not always a straight line up. And my journey has been filled with failures and successes. And specifically, two years ago, I, you know, I guess... 20 years ago, I started two companies. One was a hobby sports business and the other one was a project management con construction company. And I started growing both companies slowly as a, as a startup businesses would be. And the sports company started taking off. And so I was really excited about growing that business. And I had a vision of growing that to be a $100 million sports company, global sports company, and started running really hard. We grew it to north of $50 million. And after 15 years of building that company, I got fired from the very company that I found that I co-founded and lost absolutely everything. Oh. And I picked myself up off the pavement and, and tried to introspectively have a look at what had happened. What were my contributions to this particular situation? How did I make myself so vulnerable and the company so vulnerable? And to diagnose that into the learnings and principles that I now have in, in my current journey. And I applied those principles to the construction company that was kind of sitting over here, growing slowly and nicely and had good management team, but it was taking a slower approach to growth. And I applied those principles to that business. And we successfully grew that company 505% over the past three years to north of hundred million, but I did it the right way and applied the principles a lot differently than I did the first time in a massive failure. So that's basically the, the in a nutshell, my hundred million dollar journey. That's a very interesting. I just had this conversation yesterday with my son that really success is all about failure, really, because you have to fail to figure things out. And particularly when you want to differentiate your business, you have to fail so that you are forced to come up with new solutions. And then you can apply that to another business in your case, and, and then you can get to success. But first, you have to be willing to fail. You have to put yourself in danger, so to say, and uh, take the risk of that entrepreneurship is all about this courage or whatever, resilience. So let's dig a little bit deeper because now you you went through that very bruising experience and then you developed some concept which helped you with BrandPoint services to grow that business. So I'd like us to talk a little bit more about that, but there's particularly one area where I'd like us to drill down, which is core values. And there's a lot of confusion between personal core values, company core values. There are even within company core values, there is kind of the, what I call corporate aspirations and behaviors that individuals exhibit. So tell me a little bit about how the business core values evolve. And do you feel like they evolve out of the founder's personal values or do they evolve in some other way? Yeah, I think a lot of times entrepreneurs, when they start their companies, they just start running. They're in startup mode. Their heads are down and they're plugging away and they're trying to create something, trying to create the business that they had envisioned. And way too often, they think through what their personal values are and what the company's values are almost secondarily. And I think one of the biggest mistakes I made, Steve, is in this massive failure that I had, I woke up during this failure, I should say, and, and you're right, failure is a prerequisite for success, but it really sucks when you're in the middle of it. It really stinks. But you have to have perspective and you have to have introspection. And as I was introspectively thinking through what had just happened, I realized that I was growing for growth's sake. 
I didn't actually know what I wanted to accomplish in life, let alone aligning that with the business. And so when I took a step back, it was really like, what do I want to achieve as an entrepreneur? What are my core values as a person? What do I truly believe in? And how can I align that with my business's purpose and vision and core values? And aligning those are really important. I've been involved in a few businesses, and maybe you've seen them as well, where you have these posters on the wall, it's proverbial, oh, these are our core values, but the owner doesn't even demonstrate them. And there's a complete misalignment. And then what happens is the speed of trust happens, Steve, right? The people in the organization look at the founder and they look at the core values and they're like, these aren't even aligned. This person isn't even who they say they are on the wall. And so I think it's critically important that your personal core values align to your business's core values. And it doesn't matter what they are. And you mentioned something really important there, Steve. It's not just what the words are, it's what are the behaviors. And I think it's really important for the organizations to align. Okay, if this is our core value, what are the three or four behaviors that demonstrate this core value and or what are three or four behaviors that do not demonstrate this core value? So when we see it, we can immediately identify that is not who we are. And so once you have those aligned as a person and as a business, you can really achieve the success you're looking for, or at least feel fulfilled in what you're doing every single day. So then ideally, the founders would want to build a business around their personal values that they care about, right? And then the business will actually reflect the values of the founders, because if it doesn't reflect then the founder is going to be misaligned and that's not going to help the business too much. Yeah. I mean, if the founder is misaligned to the core values of their own company, they lose the trust of their team instantly. Yeah. The Speed of Trust by Stephen Covey, that book, right? When trust is high, the speed to do things goes up, cost goes down, you're very efficient and you're flowing. But when trust is down, oh, the inefficiencies that you see in your business aren't very good. The turnover of your staff isn't very good. You need to have that alignment. And sometimes though, I'm sure you've experienced this as well. The core values of that entrepreneur can potentially change by the team they surround themselves with. They can also get influenced and go, you know what? Maybe my core values aren't really where I want them to be. And they can shift and move as they go along, along with their teams, but it needs to be genuine. Yeah. So let's go from here, from this idea of the core values is kind of a, to a bigger idea, which is how do you align the business with your own personal desires and your own personal life plan so to say yeah and we discussed this framework that you created i think we called it the build your ideal business framework can you explain uh, what is the process of how, how one goes about that yeah well i guess first off how, what percentage of entrepreneurs do you think have an actual life plan for themselves and i know i didn't what would you say uh probably 15 20 percent yeah and I, i'd say probably 10 so we're close we're in the same ballpark right so 90 percent of entrepreneurs are meeting with their strategic business plan and their teams and go, okay, what do we want to accomplish as a business? What is our vision? How big are we going to be? What's our big, hairy, audacious goals? But yet 90% of them don't even have a plan for themselves. And so what ends up happening is they're running hundred miles an hour on their business, but they're overstressed, overworked, not spending enough time with their family, not eating healthy, not taking care of their bodies. They're just completely misaligned with their life. Mm -hmm. And so what I determined after this failure is, oh, wait a minute, the tail's wagging the dog here. I got to stop this nonsense and I got to align who do I want to be as a person? What am I ultimately trying to achieve personally in all these different segments of my life? And now how can I align my business and what do I want to do in that business with that purpose of my life? And once you align those two, you're able to achieve some pretty awesome things because no longer are you at the victim of whatever the business is going to do, whatever the business is going to grow. You, you pump the brakes a little bit and you say, hold on a second. This is what I want in my life. Now I'm going to go achieve that by having this business instrument to assist me with that. So the alignment of those two, I think is very critical and way too few entrepreneurs actually have that alignment. Yeah. I like to think that if you have figured out a business that works, that is, I call it a viable business that essentially, you know, that you have a formula for making money. It may not be very profitable, but you figured out how to make it work and how to keep it going. 
then you have potentially an asset that can, a vehicle that can take you to your ideal life. Yeah. And then it's just all about figuring out how to make this business work well so that and figure out where you want to go with it. And then you can get there. Exactly. Okay. So let's say your first step is you come up with your life plan. I think you, you called it the true north life plan. Yep. So what does that look like? Yeah, I borrowed principles from a whole bunch of different people. The One Thing, the book, The One Thing with Gary Keller. I borrowed principles from Simon Sinek, Start With Why. I borrowed a whole bunch of different principles. But really, it starts with, I have a one-pager, Steve, that tells me in, in the next 30 years, what am I ultimately trying to accomplish in my life? What is that ultimate thing I'm trying to accomplish? And then I break it down by segment. What am I trying to accomplish with my career, with my wealth, with my health, with my family, with my relationships, spirituality? I have five or six different segments. And I try and say, okay, in the next 30 years, let me vision, what does that look like for me? And then I work it down to, okay, well, if that's where I want to be in 30 years, where do I need to be in 10 years in these different segments? Where do I need to be in three years in these different segments? Where do I need to be in one year in these different segments? Okay, now i got a one-year plan. Now, where do I need to be each quarter? And I align 90-day plans to that year plan. And so if I achieve my 90-day objectives, that's guiding me towards that one year, that one year plan. And so I kind of back it all the way through and make sure that everything's aligned along the way as I go. Yeah. I mean, that's very impressive if you can do that takes some discipline because essentially you now have not just one thing, maybe you have one thing in your business mm -hmm. and then you have one thing in your health, you one thing in your wealth creation, one thing in your relationship, and then you have to keep all those balls uh, in the air. And then you have the uh, the fires that are kind of unavoidable. So it's, it's very impressive. So, okay. So you got your life plan, your 30 year plan, your reverse engineer, you got your one year, your quarterly. The next step is aligning your business with those goals. So how does that happen? I'll say this, Steve, you know, what I used to do is I used to meet with my management team once a year, typically around Q4, the fourth quarter. And we'd sit down around the room for a full day and we would strategize where we want to go with this business in the short term and the long term. But I never used to do that for myself. And I think that's the key to developing your true life plan is when you're sitting down with yourself and really going through deep thought of what you ultimately want to achieve in life. And you mentioned a comment there a second ago about how do you achieve all these different one things and all these different segments. And I think the biggest thing is be present. When it's time to go be healthy, eat healthy. When it's time to go work out, work out. When it's time to be with your family, be with your family. When it's time to work on your career, do what you're supposed to be doing. And right now, I'm doing exactly what I need to be doing with you. That aligns to my plan. So always spend every time of your day aligning to what that True North plan is. But when you meet with your company and you're designing your strategic business plan, you got to keep that in mind. What were those you know, components of your True North life plan you were trying to accomplish? And in an example, what that means to me, Steve, just a small example if your goal is to achieve wealth and freedom through running a business, well, one of the things you need to do is build a culture of entrepreneurship within your organization and develop talent and train talent to sometimes take over your role some, someday. And so if you have that mindset, you're going to treat the people in your business a little bit differently. You're going to mentor them a little bit differently. You're going to bring them along a little bit differently versus feeling like you've got to be the chief cook and bottle washer every day running your business, trying to get your business to success. Well, you're not developing the talent that someday can take over this business asset for you, as an example. So that's just one small you know, example. If you can align those two, you start thinking a little bit differently about how to build your strategic business plan. So essentially, this is all about being a long-term thinker and having your day-to-day decisions be driven by the long-term objectives that you have, which is what is the most difficult to do because we always have our challenges that are right in front of us and our lizard brain will force us to deal with that and try to fix the here and now and not be driven by the long-term. Yeah, uh, But I, I love that. So basically you've got a life plan, you broke it down, then you have a business plan 
you kind of synchronize the two, how they going to be aligned and what you need to do in your business so that it supports your long-term life plan. So these are like the three steps. The fourth step is this process is kind of the more, the richest one, which is the seven principles that you developed and which your big book is all about, I believe. So tell me a little bit about the seven principles and how you develop them and what how they are designed to help an entrepreneur. Yeah, there are seven principles that I've found for entrepreneurial success. And if you miss one of them, it can just derail the whole process. You need to have patient ambition, but I'll rattle them off. Principle one, protect and grow your equity. Principle two, you need to build your own capital. Because if you don't build your own capital, you're going to have to go get investors or bank debt. That potentially could affect principle one, protect your equity. Principle th three, reinvest smartly, patiently and smartly into your business. Double down on your winners, focus, try and scale your business, build operational capacity. Because if you do that, you'll build more capital, principle two, and you'll further protect your equity. But if you don't, it can flow downhill. Principle four, build a culture of entrepreneurship. Build the culture where people in your business treat the business as if it's their own, because someday they should probably run your business. Principle five, protect the house. Because if you don't protect the different elements of the business, everything could fall apart. Principle six, how to access owner's liquidity. How to access the, the liquidity that's on balance sheet of the business and move it to your personal balance sheet in tax efficient manners. And principle seven, how do you ultimately move from CEO to chairperson? Because you may not be the best person to run your business, but also if you're trying to build a, a profitable business asset that can generate passive income for you and your family and your business, you have to be able to move to be more strategic chairperson of the business versus putting out the fires every day like we talk about. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I see that you did that with Brandpoint Services and on your LinkedIn profile, you're the chairman. So right. you are the strategic level. You're not sucked into the day-to-day, -day, which is awesome. So uh, there's a, a couple of these principles that really intrigue me. Is number two, build capital. So how does one build capital in the business and, and essentially make sure that the business is not just treading water, but it is creating, you don't need outside investors. I think that's probably one thing that you learn that outside investors can grab control of your business. So how do you make sure the business is building capital inside it? Yeah, here's a little secret that I found out that I wish I had learned a lot earlier. 99 out of 100 entrepreneurs measure their monthly performance based on a profit and loss statement. If there's 100 people in the room, I said, who manages based on profit and loss? 99 hands would go up. But that's like reading the first chapter of a murder mystery novel and thinking, oh, it's going to end. <laughs> it actually doesn't tell you the true picture. And then if you advance a little bit further, a lot you know, more sophisticated entrepreneurs may look at their balance sheet and they may look at their balance sheet to kind of see where they are. But the one tool that I found out, and I learned this from Alan Miltz, he's the uh, co-author of the ch cash chapter in Vern Harnish's book, Scaling Up. Mm -hmm. And I had a conversation with him. He's like, look, I've interviewed 3,000 CEOs and not one of them can tell me how to properly calculate their net operating cash flow. Mm -hmm. But cash is king. Revenue is vanity. Profit is sanity. Cash is king and queen. You need to win at the business of making cash because as you can make cash, that influences how fast your company can afford to grow. And one of the most influential articles I read was a Harvard Business Review. And the title is, How Fast Can Your Company Afford to Grow? Well, Steve, this was eye-opening for me. Because in the sports company I talked about earlier, I was trying to grow 50, 100% a year. with that. We were going so hard. But our self-financeable growth rate, which you can actually calculate, was probably around 5%. So I'm trying to grow 50%. Our self-financeable growth rate is 5%. Well, guess what? There's a delta and gap. I didn't have enough cash to grow. So guess what was going on? We were, our loans at the bank were going up. I was trying to get investor capital. That was all diluting my equity. Everything was kind of falling apart. We were almost a victim of our growth, our own success. We, we could grow that fast. We just couldn't afford to grow that fast. And therefore, we diluted our equity. We lost control of the business and made ourselves vulnerable. So you need to win at the game of building your own cash flow in order to build a strong, sustainable business. 
Yeah, absolutely. So it's very interesting, this topic and how you explained it. And a couple of things came to mind. One of the things that I look at this is, and obviously I understand profit versus cash flow, but in terms of profit, if you are not uh, generating, if your business is not uh, profitable at the elite level in your industry, then you're bound to fall behind your competitors and mm -hmm. have to go out to investors, then you lose control, or you just grow at a lower clip, and then they will be the first, you'll take the first mover's advantage and, and take the palm. So that's one thing. The second thing is the cash. How do you turn the profit into cash and make sure that you're not building working capital that is useless and uh, is essentially draining the value in the business? Yep. And the third thing, I think, which is similar to this growth rate, this self-financing growth rate, is talent. So do, do you find that there's also a limitation to your growth by the number of talented people that you can attract and inculcate in your business? Yeah, absolutely. Which is principle number four, build the culture of entrepreneurship. How, do you, how are you bringing talent into your business? Because ultimately, if you don't have that talent, talent that's going to step up in leadership roles of your company, you're going to end up doing it all. And you can only grow as fast as your talent, to your point. Certainly, you need the cash to be able to afford the talent. And what ends up happening, Steve, is a lot of entrepreneurs do not make those bold moves to hire A-level talent. They hire the C or D-level talent because they don't have the cash to do it. They don't have the cash to bring A players into their business. So if you build your own capital properly, you can, principle three, reinvest that smartly into mm -hmm. building a culture of entrepreneurship and bring A talent to your business. There's no way that I'd be able to be the chairman of my company, as an example, if I didn't have A players in the full leadership team of that business. It's essential. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'd be back in the trenches running the business myself. So you have to be able to afford it, but absolutely, you're always a limitation. You're only as strong as your weakest link. Yeah, that is cool. So you make sure that you build the capital, you focus on turning your profit into cash, you reinvest it smartly. What does it mean, reinvest smartly? Yeah, so when we were growing real fast, I was, hey, we're doing successful over here in this business line. Let's start a manufacturing facility over here. That's, that sounds like a good idea. So we were reinvesting our capital that we were building into areas that consumed a ton of cash flow, which then reduced our net operating cash flow, reduced our self-financeable growth rate, as opposed to doubling down on our winners. So we didn't have patient ambition. We weren't scaling appropriately. We were reinvesting wide across, right? We were opening new business segments. We were making mergers and acquisitions. We were investing carelessly the net operating cash flow we were generating. And I think one of the terms that, that I found after this big failure that really still resonates with me today, Steve, is entrepreneurs need to have patient ambition. Entrepreneurs mm -hmm. are not a patient bunch. We're a chase the shiny object syndrome a bunch of entrepreneurs, right? Oh, let's go over here. Oh, let's go over here. But the problem is if you are not reinvesting to grow your net operating cash flow, and therefore you're not reinvesting to increase your self-financeable growth rate, you're going to actually be burning cash. And when I think about the hundreds of thousands of dollars of management-influenced waste, where you make a decision to go somewhere, it doesn't work, and there's $100,000 down the drain, or you get this new technology system, and that was a failure. Oh, man, that was a big mistake. We got to have more patience and grow our businesses more systematically by reinvesting smartly. Yeah, patience is such a, an interesting virtue. So what I have found was that the older I get, the more patient I get, which, which makes absolutely no sense because I have less time. So how, how can I be more patient? Yeah, you're wiser. But it is this idea of the patient in a hospital is, is basically a person who's willing to suffer. They're willing to stay with the suffering. That's what patience is. I think that's what the Latin word means. Hmm. And, and that it is actually an active behavior. It's not a passive thing. It's not like, okay, I'm patient. I'm not doing anything. No, I am doing it. I am, how oh, you said it, patient ambition. I've got this ambition, this burning ambition, but I know that I can't build Rome in a day. So I am going through the pain of suffering of not being able to go faster because it's just counterproductive. I love it. That's awesome. So we covered the reinvesting smartly. How is protect the house different from reinvesting smartly? Yeah, I think protect the house, Steve, is a lot of, you mentioned it earlier, a lot of times entrepreneurs are working really hard in their business. 
but yet they meet with mentors and advisors like you and I, and we're like, you got to work on your business. You got to rise above your business, work strategically. And they're like, their hair's on fire. They're like, I don't have time to do this. But what ends up happening is being an entrepreneur is like a game of whack-a-mole. You hit one, two, three, and then four, five, six pop up. And you're always like kind of going around, right? Or imagine a boat with a hundred holes. You plug 99 of them. Well, where's the water going to come through? It's going to come through that 99th hole, right? So are your HR processes tight? Are your cash controls tight? Like a couple of examples, Steve, like we had, we got caught with a wire fraud situation. My controller received an email that looked like it was from me. It wasn't from me. The email address had a letter that was wrong, but it was instructions to wire $250,000 to China. And we were a global business. So that kind of made sense to her at the time. Oh, we have this event. I got to send this money. Wires the money. Well, guess what? We didn't have dual authentication controls. We didn't have all these different financial controls or HR processes controls. If you don't have controls in your business, you're going to be exposed. You're going to be vulnerable. So how are you protecting all of these? Are you doing vulnerability assessments on your business? I mean, we, you know, what percentage of entrepreneurs sit down on an annual basis and assess all the vulnerabilities in their business? They don't have time. They're, they're working so hard in the business. They don't have time to strategically look at it. So if you don't protect the house, you could do principles one through four excellently. Just kill it. Have one situation, one lawsuit, one bad debt of a customer, one situation that happens that could really kill your business. And you just got to really work to protect your business at all times. That's fascinating. Well, these are all great principles. We didn't have time to cover all of them, but I bet the other ones are equally rich in content and insights. So definitely I recommend you go and, and check out the 100 million journey, which by the time we publish this, it's going to be out. Probably it will be on the bestseller list as well. I definitely going to pre-order it. So John, if people would like to learn more and maybe connect with you, where should they go? Yeah, absolutely. Like you mentioned, if you can go to Amazon, the $100 million journey is available there. You can also go to 100mjourney.com. Along with the book, Steve, we have an actual workbook with all these templates and worksheets. I talked about the calculator and open cash flow, calculate your self-finance and growth rate, all the different tools we talked about in this, your true north life plan, your strategic business plan, all the tools that I use, I put in there as well. That comes completely free to with the book, along with the book as a carry forward. So please go get that. And you can follow me anywhere on social media at, at John St. Pierre 100. That's amazing. Very rich episode in content. I think it's going to take me some time to absorb everything that uh, you're teaching. So thanks, John, for coming on the show. And for those of you listening, we get more and more amazing entrepreneurs on the show. So make sure you are subscribing on our YouTube channel. You are following us on LinkedIn, where we publish short forms of all these videos as well, at the Steve Preda Business Growth LinkedIn page. And, and stay tuned because next week we'll have another great episode. Thank you, John, for coming.